welcome to Confessions of a Keyboardist. I'm here today with my longtime dear friend, Sandra Partridge. And we're just sitting here chilling on a Sunday afternoon in Middle Tennessee, about to chat a little bit about, well, what kind of keyboard stuff she has done. So, how are you, Sandra? Hello, I'm doing well. <laughs> how are you? <laughs> uh, <laughs> I'm just happy. I'm excited and happy because I love talking about this kind of stuff. So thank you so much for being here. Thank you. <laughs> It'll be fun. Aw, thanks. <laughs> Are you just saying that? Look, I have to explain. Sandra and I have known each other a really long time, so we may be just totally wacko. Uh, there's no telling. Um, when when did I meet you? What year would that have been? 1985. 1985. And uh, we were both students at... University of Alabama. Uh, we were both piano majors. You actually looked like you had horses to me because you, we always tell the story, but you wore these rider pants and boots and I thought, and you had long flowing hair and I was like, <laughs> I know she has horses. And I asked you one day, I think, and you were like, what? <laughs> well, I think you thought I came from a wealthy background or something. And where you got that one? I well, did not have horses. I had I, never been on one. I know where I got it because you played like a queen, actually. Oh, yeah, you did. That was my plan <laughs> to make that impression. You play piano like a goddess, basically, and I was in awe of you. Yeah, I didn't want to be a geek, but um, when did when did you start playing piano? I don't remember. It was. Probably, we always had a piano in my home, so I think I just played from the time I was a baby, probably walked up to it. I don't remember when I first played tunes, but I always could play by ear. You always had a piano. I didn't yeah. realize that. Yeah. Which one of your parents played? My mother. She played for church. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. So I haven't heard her play in a long time. But uh, she kind of stopped playing once I started getting more advanced. Um, uh, I guess she, she just let me have let me have the piano after that. And, um, <laughs> but she, yeah, she played for church, and I think when she was a little girl, you know, she always played. All of her family played for church. Oh wow! Yeah. So well, her um, sisters, oh. every single one of them. Mm. Oh, how, to, how many sisters? I have to were call there? her to verify that she had t three sisters and. T Two of them, at least, did. I don't, I'm not sure about one of them. Did she play by ear? No. She used music. So she was reading notes. That's hard. Hymns. Yeah, that's hard, I think. I mean, it's, it's more of an advanced reading skill to yeah. play hymns. Yeah. So she must have had lots of lessons. I guess she did. Um, and her father played uh, violin, and he probably played piano, too. I'm not sure about that. Um... My dad's family wasn't particularly musical, but dad played the trumpet, and maybe his dad too. I'm realizing I don't <laughs> know enough about my parents' background. I need to call them after this. <laughs> um, yeah, dad listened to music all of the time when I was young, so and he played trumpet, but you know, not seriously, just in band. So a lot of music in the house all the time. Oh yeah. That's awesome. Um, yeah. And I know that, see, I know so much about you that I'm probably... You just pretend that you don't. 
I can't. <laughs> there is no way I could pretend that. Um, I know that you have a brother, yes. and I know he's a musician too. Oh yeah, he played drums. Um, he always just played drums. Actually, I don't think it, there was anything else. He played Tupperware for a long time <laughs> with the next door neighbor, and then they decided he ought to get some drums. And my dad and mom got him a set, and he's been playing ever since. He plays with bands, and um... oh yeah, he still plays. It's not his main job, but he he has always played with bands. He lives in Mississippi. Yes. And worked for a music store, too. Uh-huh. Does he still do that? Time. No. Okay. Um, and designs kits, too, right? Designs drums. Yep. He made drums for a long time, and now he's a very good carpenter and makes art pieces and furniture. Yes. Incredible stuff, actually. I've seen it. Yeah. <clears throat> um, well, we'll include a link to some of that if you, you know, yeah. at the end of the podcast, if people are interested. But I happen to know that your parents bought you a grand piano. <laughs> like they made the big mundo investment in your uh, piano um, education. They really did. How many teachers did you have and what were lessons like? And I didn't have that many. I had one teacher. Um, my mom wanted to get me into lessons when I was five. And... Most te- no one would teach me. They said that was too young because I went to school when I was five and I could read early, and so, and I could play. Um, I was I was one of the kids that you know how well in the seventies everybody all of the kids would play Heart and Soul. Bum, 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 da, 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 da. Well, I was a little show off, and I did both hands. I could play the bass and the treble, and nobody else could do that. Ooh, and oh yes. Yeah, <laughs> Very impressive. And so one day, um, basically, Mom had just given up on lessons. and But one day, I was playing both hands in music class, and my music teacher heard me, and she said, Hey, do you take lessons, and how about taking lessons? So that's when I started. She was very sweet. Took from her for um, until I was in, like, sixth or seventh grade. Then I got another teacher for another two or three years. She got me into more serious music and competitions. And then I had a teacher for a year before college that sort of just put me on the express. Here, let's learn these five pieces for your audition. Right. And he was my last teacher before college. And so you did audition for college. Oh, uh, yes. Just one, or how many do you remember? Two. Okay. Mm-hmm. And... I know where you ended up because I ended up there too, <laughs> yeah. but um, where else did you audition for? University of Southern Mississippi. Okay. So. Hattiesburg? Yep. Okay, but you ended up in Tuscaloosa. I did. At the University of Alabama. Mm-hmm. Do you remember what you played for your audition pieces? I played Chopin Ballade, number one, WC Reflate on Low. Uh, Bach Italian Concerto, first movement. Oh my goodness, that's incredible. <laughs> and yeah, he primed me well. Yeah, and good for him. I don't remember. There might have been another piece. I'm just not remembering right now. Right. Well, um, um, okay. So you ended up at Alabama with full tuition scholarship, if I remember correctly. Yeah. 
My parents didn't have to pay anything. Oh, wow. They were lucky. (laughs) (laughs) I was lucky. (laughs) Um, And I think there were six of us in that studio the first year, if I remember correctly, six piano majors with the same teacher Mm -hmm. there. Um, So... Uh, did you play organ or anything else, any other keyboard instrument or any other instrument? A little bit later on, I played harpsichord, but I ne- I didn't go the traditional, um, I'd never played for church, so it just wasn't a desire for me to learn how to play organ. Um, what I is just, a harpsichord for my students who may not ever have heard of that and don't know what that is? <laughs> and what did you get from harpsichord lessons? Um, <clears throat> harpsichord is the early version of a piano but it's very different because the strings are plucked rather than hit and so um, it doesn't matter how hard you press the key for instance you're going to get the same sound so you don't use pedal so it's very hard and it's very exposed if you're playing a Bach piece or a Baroque piece and you have to sustain with your fingers it's a lot harder. If you want to, things to run together, um, yeah, no cheating. <laughs> gotcha. And it would have been Bach's instrument, like when you say yeah. the early piano, you mean bef- it's a it's a keyboard instrument, but it was in the 1700s and prior, right? Basically, or even maybe prior to 1700s, really. Yes, I should look up the dates. Maybe. <laughs> I <laughs> don't remember. I'm not trying to stump the guest here. <laughs> um, so, and it was organic, right? The material is very organic. Mm-hmm. Wood and other unmentionable items like <laughs> animal parts, maybe. I don't know. It seems like I've heard that before, but. And luckily, University of Alabama had a couple, I guess. They had two harpsichords, I think. I remember that. Lots of colleges probably would not have that. Mm-hmm. And they had a forte piano, too. Yeah, that's right. Which was yeah, Mozart's was. piano. We got to play on that. Right. It was uh, it was good. And I know you took harpsichord lessons. I never had a harpsichord lesson, yeah. if I remember correctly. <clears throat> it would have been probably more practical for me to take organ. Um, <laughs> not many need, not much need for harpsichord um, accompaniment <laughs> or concerts. But um, I was just interested in it. It mm-hmm. helped me play piano better. Helped me hear Bach differently. Mm-hmm. So it translated, yeah. Yes. I remember uh, you, you being particularly a good Bach interpreter. Um, so, you. yes, absolutely. <laughs> um, okay, so let me back up a little bit. So you said you can't really remember when you started playing piano. What are some of the first pieces that you started playing that you really remember and you, you remember enjoying them? Stuff that you really liked to play as a young person. Wow. That should be an easy question. <laughs> um, how young are we talking? <laughs> um, oh, it can be any age. I mean, you know, like as a, a child. Like, what drew you to the piano? What, do you, what kind of music would, it, would make you want to play it? Is, is basically what I'm asking. You know, I don't know why that's... Um, thinking about that I think I just sort of I think I I actually liked other kinds of music before I started playing with notes 
and that's what drew me to the piano. And when I started lessons, I guess I just sort of just went by the book. I just started playing the pieces and going through the going through the lesson books. Um, I remember there was a piece, uh, yeah, it's just not very many. I remember one or two that I just really liked, but others, um, either, you know, I can't remember. Either I really stayed on the same pieces for a long time, or there was just one or two. There's, I loved Country Gardens. I played that. I played, and I would love to find the arrangement that I played. I've never been able to remember, but... Is that by Percy Granger? Percy Granger. Yeah. And it was sort of like my showpiece, my first showpiece. You know, I would play that for everyone. Yes. And so I played that. And then after that, I started, it's like I never did play intermediate pieces. I went from that to my next teacher who immediately started having me play Beethoven sonatas and, and really serious music. And it you know it was sort of a jarring thing she was a serious you know she was just she was the big piano teacher in my town that that put everyone on the competition circuit and it was probably pretty jarring for me I suddenly it got real serious and um so I can't even really say you know I, I guess there was a few, you know, like Malaguena. There was an arrangement of um, Ernesto Laquana, I think. Um, at the time, I thought it was a piano piece, but it is not a piano piece. It is an orchestral piece, and my dad loved it, and he just kept on and on. You got to play Malaguena, and so my teacher found an arrangement. Um, so I liked that. It was fun to play. It was kind of flashy, and then after that, it was all you know, only classical music. Yes, you bring up like two really interesting points that I just want to elaborate on real quick. Um, I think for me as a teacher, you know, that the method books are really hard for me to deal with with my students because um, I know that they're really necessary because they're they're teaching concepts that they my students really need to get a grasp on if they're going to be independent musicians that don't need me anymore to explain basic concepts but sometimes the pieces are just <laughs> I think so tedious mm -hmm. for my students and um, so I'm always struggling with you know a, a good balance of other bringing in other music and finding other things somehow and I even write arrangements for my students of stuff that I know will keep them coming back uh, just because the method books can get so it's like broccoli it's the broccoli of piano mm -hmm. study the method I'm, books I, I more than once I think I would try to fool my teacher, and <laughs> and I remember one time I came in with um, my own version of I don't remember what it was I think it was Do You Hear What I Hear, and I man I had a great arrangement in my head of that and I played it and I it I also had it on the page but I didn't think she would notice and um, I think she was very kind about it but she told my mother <laughs> and you know. <laughs> tried not to do that from then on, but I wish, you know, in retrospect, she was very young and she probably didn't have um, a, a way of, it is, I mean, I can only imagine, I haven't actually taught piano that much, but it is very hard to mix the two. And 
Yes. I'm sure it was just much easier for her to stay the course, you know, and, and why not? I mean, I needed to learn as much as I could. Yes. So she basically <laughs> said, don't do that anymore. And I didn't. I was just a, I was a people pleaser, so I didn't. <laughs> well, that is the, the interesting thing about a lot of piano study is that it's based on reading first. Mm-hmm. You know, note reading is right from the very get-go for, in a lot of, I mean, there is a method that I use now that does not have that approach. Um, it does um, cover some other concepts before, you know, note reading, which can stomp out the good musician in, in just about any kid, in my opinion. But mm-hmm. um, I'm trying to think, what was the other thing that you brought up? I don't know if I can remember, because <laughs> you covered so much good stuff there. Um, so arrangements, Malaguena, Country Gardens. Um, maybe I'll think of it. Well, really early on... Um can't remember if this was before or after I started taking piano. I actually wish I could remember. Maybe I could do some digging and find ask them ask some people. But I my um dad had a really cool friend that played um piano and his wife sang. Joey played the drums, my dad played Joey, my brother, played the drums, my dad played trumpet. And they would all come over and have a, like we'd have a jam session, and there was a pivotal moment. Uh, I think it was pivotal for me. It might have been you know more than just one moment, but for me it was just one moment. I burst out crying here listening to them after one of their jam sessions, and no one knew why. And I basically only could say I couldn't, I couldn't really articulate it, but I just wanted to be able to play like Randy. He was just a free player. He wasn't using music. He was just whatever, you know, jamming. And he was just a kid, but he had a natural ability. And I think, you know, it was just something I wanted, but I didn't know how to reach. Because my brother, you know, maybe more so back then, you know, the boy would be the adventurous one and the girl would play by the rules. Mm -hmm. At at least that's the way it was. That was the dynamic uh, where I was in my family. And, um... So yeah, um, it was just one of those things. It was like a, it's like I somehow knew that wouldn't be my course. That mm-hmm. really wasn't going to be my course uh, for the next long while. Mm-hmm. I was going to just play uh, the traditional music. But may I say at this point <laughs> in this episode to please stay tuned because the story shifts quite a bit Uh, and we'll get there in just a few minutes um yes i think it shifted dramatically um so so basically you you liked other kinds of music not not so much like just the idea of playing piano but the idea of playing music and so reading reading music was that ever difficult for you no it was not um memorizing was hard I'm not sure why, but mm-hmm. my when my eyes had seen the notes, it was hard to to get them off of them. I I really needed that, and it took me a long time to memorize things. And so when it went college was such an adjustment because I'd spent you know the last couple of years learning the same four or five pieces, and then suddenly there was a huge shift, and there was an expectation of learning things. 10, 20 times faster than that. Yes. Okay, so you made me remember just now the other thing that I <laughs> wanted to bring up. You said that, you know, you kind of skipped from method books into advanced repertoire 
bam. And I think that is also really common that uh, the intermediate repertoire for piano students is not often, it's, it's very often skipped over, mm-hmm. I think. That makes sense. And it's, it's hard to, um, to bridge that gap. You know, for me, there's very clear division between the elementary level pianist and then the intermediate level pianist. Um, you're, you should be doing a lot of etudes and things like that that, that have advanced concepts in them, but they're small, short pieces. Mm-hmm. And so it's, it's just so common, I think, that people just skip from, you know, oh, my goodness, I'm playing, <laughs> I don't know, Turkey in the Straw, in, mm-hmm. or I don't know, in something in Method Book Number 4, and then, oh, let's do a Haydn or a Beethoven Sonata. Holy cow. Yeah. I mean, I guess sometimes the facility can be there. Like, ooh, I can play fast. Oh, and look at that. She can play fast. Let's put this in front of her. This is exciting. You get you suddenly sort of get the hang of it, and then mm-hmm. it's tempting probably just to cheat a little. If you can, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Lucky you that you're able to do that. <laughs> I don't think everybody can. Um, yeah. But so, so you skip into college, and then it's like a big old reality check, basically, of the, this is what this is really about. Did you know what it was going to be like to be a music major? Absolutely not. <laughs> I did not know <laughs> at all. No, I just sort of, you know, I was good at it. So, you know, probably my, I remember my mother saying, you know, be, be sure this is what you want. Are you sure you want to do you know, and it's like, nope, this is what I want to do. This is it. This is it. And I wasn't going to think about it because it was just so easy. It just seemed so logical that I would go into music. But I do remember that very first day having a gnawing feeling that it wasn't probably the best route for me, music school. But, you know, it probably was the best route, but just there was something that wasn't quite going to work ultimately um whether it was the time commitment it was just like i remember just thinking i don't know if i want to do this all the time (laughs) (laughs) oh that's making me sigh i don't know if the microphone's picking that up but i had to take like a deep breath and sigh (laughs) like oh yeah i totally get that what's talk about the time commitment of being a piano major (laughs) well maybe for some it isn't as much but it um or maybe some people are more prepared for maybe beforehand if I had been told hey you need to learn this piece faster or here if my teacher had said this is great but why don't you play this etude next week you know it was like I nursed these pieces for so long and you know I was playing this same audition pieces for the next year's audition and for the next competition because you know I just wanted to be good I didn't want to sound bad and it was I was cheating just a little bit and so the the time commitment of the practice and getting those pounding those notes into my head and memorizing this the thing that is so particular to a pianist is that you have to memorize unless you're playing for a singer or for a violin player you have to memorize and that's thanks to Franz Liszt yeah, I'm told thanks so much Franz <laughs> who, <laughs> <laughs> who would play these mega concerts all from memory and that was considered a yeah. big feat yeah. uh, at the time was, he was was he the first I don't know if he was the first but he was one of the first I think if I remember correctly. Yeah. Um, and you said cheat. That's an interesting way to put it. But you're saying basically that you had the pieces a long time and could really work on them and get them 
into yeah. great shape. How did you handle playing the same pieces for so long? Do you get bored? I probably did not get as bored as you would hope. I think I was a little bit lazier than anyone really knew. <laughs> Maybe than you know, Amy. <laughs> I really probably liked to get away with less practice than some people. I totally understand that. <laughs> Are you kidding me? <laughs> well, I mean, I think I used uh, the practice room for a, an, an escape sometimes, and I would do a lot of messing around and not play it. it not, it wasn't economical practice. It was over and over and over. It, you know, when I got to college, one thing it did do for me was help me listen to myself and cut my practice time, you know, so that I was doing more concentrated types of learning yes. rather than just repeating things over and over. Yes. And that's another thing teachers, um, myself, I, I struggle with as a teacher is how to teach my students how to practice. Yeah. You know, you don't just, I mean, maybe some people have that skill immediately, but um, I think that that's a skill that you can develop, and it's... Um, yeah, yeah. Yeah. How do you practice? I mean, how do you focus for that long? It's it's exhausting. You should be tired after it. And, I mean, I was being told in college, you got to practice four hours a day. Four hours a day seemed yeah. ungodly to me at the time. Like, I could not even get my head around that. But if... If a big performance was coming up, yeah, I probably did practice four hours. Because I just, like you, I didn't want to sound bad and wanted to do a good job. And Yeah, I was, I had been practicing, I don't know that I, how much actual, I don't, again, I don't know how productive those four-hour sessions were, but I was used to being in the practice room for long periods. So college wasn't a surprise in that way, but... The pressure of learning new things. Um, I went into, at first, having a lesson every day, um, which probably shouldn't have happened. Um, that was an effort to give me a sort of a boot camp, I think, and to um, my teacher's expectations of playing on some convocation coming up. I think I was, I was supposed to play a, a, another Chopin ballade, and you know, it was just too much. It was too much for me. Um, that was number two, if I remember correctly. I think I remember so. you playing it. F major? I eventually played it, yeah. yeah I, I don't remember one bit of that piece, but <laughs> 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 I do remember the first one, which is probably because I had it for longer. But yeah, not only the practice time, but just all of the classes, the theory classes and everything was just um, was just a lot. So music, music, music. Yes. Um, okay, I'm going to switch gears and okay. get into more contemporary stuff here in a second. But I, I do think for some of my piano students who might think about majoring in piano, that this is good information for them. Um, so you said, like, um, that the physical aspect, like, like, in other words, playing fast, that always came naturally to you. Um, you know, there's a, a big aspect to playing piano well is technique. How did you, what did you do to develop your technique? <laughs> I ask everybody this because you know it is a big deal. There's there's a mega physical component to playing playing the keyboard instruments. Okay, I'm giving you a look because <laughs> I didn't like to think about that. I wanted it. I was used to having it come naturally. 
I did what all the other all the students were what we were required to do, but I didn't like to do more. I did arpeggios and scales at whatever the uh, time period, time, whatever the metronome marking is. Uh, and then when when I was done with college, I just I stopped. I just did not enjoy that part, and I still don't. But it's absolutely necessary. You do lose it. But um, I was so, I think I was cocky. I, I remember being really worried that my teacher in my freshman year was making me go to square one like that. And I was thinking, oh, there's, he, he's surprised that I'm not as good as he thought I was. And he's making me do scales. I was just so <laughs> cocky, I guess, thinking I would not have to do that. <coughs> I really thought that I, you know, was pretty much all, almost all the way there, you know, that I wouldn't really have to work that hard. Very naive, very, very sheltered. So probably you developed your technique as you worked on pieces. Yes, yes. And I would develop my technique for that two-measure run or gotcha. whatever. Yeah. Gotcha. And I just picked up on things really quickly on how to hold my hand and how to, how to achieve those um, things. In each piece. When you, you mentioned playing like in competitions and things like that, um, would you consider those like maybe your first gigs? <laughs> or do you um, remember playing a gig that was like, um, like did you ever play like banquets or I don't know? Um, a handful, not very many. Uh, I played, um, my first gig was a wedding. It was like a, I think it was a friend of, um, the family, a friend right. of a friend, probably. Right. Um, I played a ceremony for an award ceremony in high school. Um, I played background music for some thing in high school. So really just, to, I could count them on my fingers, really. I didn't do a lot of, like, choir accompanying or rehearse, rehearsing with groups or anything like that, like I, like, like I know you have done. Um lots of solo. I really was, I really just thought I could only be a solo player. Back then I thought that would be enough. And um, that's not enough really. I think your solo music, your solo playing is always affected by your group playing. Now I will say that I did go to, when I was 15, I went to, um, come to think of it, I would consider this my first gig. Uh, Sewanee Summer Music Center um, in Sewanee, Tennessee. It was the best experience. Um, I played chamber music for the first time. And it was when um, it, I was allowed to use music, so that was a plus. But we had to learn, I learned, for instance, the first movement of the uh, Mendelssohn Trio in a week. And, and it was probably half speed, <laughs> but it was still really hard. And it was the first time I'd ever played with other musicians. So um, that was a big, big deal. And, I, that was, and it was also the first time I was away from home. So, um, yeah, that was, that helped my progress a whole lot. That's pretty awesome. Um, did you, did you, um, so you, you enjoyed it. It was fun. Oh, you know, yes, I'm, I'm <laughs> waffling because I put so much pressure on myself. 
uh, yes, I loved it. I enjoyed it, but I was just tortured <laughs> over everything all of the time. I think I just probably knew that it was too slow. And it, you know, I knew that I wasn't hitting all of the notes because, my God, I'd never learned a piece that fast. And and uh, my teacher, who was so you know kind, he he showed me how to fudge arpeggios and play chords instead but I mean I was fudging Mendelssohn but I had to we, we were on stage in yeah. front of the whole <laughs> school playing a concert a mm-hmm. week later you know so it was kind of nuts but that's how that uh, at least how that was how it was set up back then and it was it was great and then we'd get another piece and we'd have to learn that piece in a week right so oh wow how, how long is that camp Two weeks? It was five weeks. Oh, wow. I guess okay, I it probably still is. Yeah. Okay. Ah, I'll definitely have to include a link to that. Yes. Um, I know other people who've really been um, um, aided by attending that music mm-hmm. festival. Like, it's been a, a huge influence in their musical development. Yeah, it really was. Um, let's fast forward to a few years later <laughs> when I know that you had another ensemble experience because it was with me. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Oh, yeah. <laughs> so um, maybe we can talk just a little bit about playing duets and playing uh, two piano music. Okay. Because you and I had, we were a team. We were put together by our teacher at Alabama. Mm-hmm. And you probably looked at me and thought, oh, no. <laughs> I got to play with the new girl. No. I <laughs> did not. You didn't. <laughs> well, he gave us, if I remember correctly, I... You know, I was definitely intimidated by you. I thought, oh, man, i got to keep up. But, oh, my gosh, that is so funny. But what happened is, no, not... well, we, we got put together, and it was like the, it was like a match made in piano heaven. Because, do you remember the first piece that we were, that was assigned to us? I get Mozart? I thought it was Stravinsky. Oh, that was the first one? I thought it was, but maybe I'm wrong. I do not remember. So, I thought it was that Mozart. I think so. that was a little, bit, a little bit later. Okay. But so what happened is our teacher put together an event. He wanted to do all like um, piano music, um, duo piano music of Stravinsky, and he and some, one of the hot shots in his studio was doing Rite of Spring, an arrangement of the Rite of Spring. Am I right about that, or was it Petrushka? Can't remember. Mm. It was one of those. I don't remember either. And then an, he, there was another duo from his studio that was doing the, um, I think it was Concerto for Piano by Stravinsky. Yes. Okay. And then you and I, we were the young ones in the studio, and he gave us the sonata for two pianos. So the way, do you remember how the thing started? Not at all. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure you do. It started with one oh. single note. Oh, yes. Yes, I do. Yes. <laughs> Sorry. So... Do you want to you want to tell us that story, or do you want me to? I think you tell it. <laughs> you tell it better. It's funny because okay, so we practiced the whole thing, and we probably had some ensemble difficulty at some point in the whole piece. I think it had three movements, maybe. Yeah. But at the very beginning of I think I think it was the first movement, or maybe the second movement, we both had to play an A above middle C, if I'm correct. I'll have to look this up and see if I'm right. Wow. We had to play it at the exact, you know, at the same time. And I could look at you and tell exactly when you were going to cue. You would cue me. You gave cues that would drive daggers into the eyeballs of any human being. I mean, basically, I could just feel when you were going to like play that A. And so I was, I was on it. I was like, yeah, because I was piano too. You always say it that way, but I always think of it differently. I always think I would cue you, and somehow you knew. <laughs> 
you can read my mind. How did you do that? So I just, I don't know that it was my cueing as much as it was your knowing when I was going to cue. It was like a thing. And it was, how ridiculous is that anyway for Stravinsky to have that as the first note? That's not collaboration. That's just like crazy. It is, it's isn't it? It's a circus. Why did he do that? It was a test. Yeah. It was a test to see, are you compatible piano mates or not? Because <laughs> um, that right there really yeah. kind of explained it for me that, you know, what you just said. I mean, I feel one way, you feel the other. In other words, we made a great partnership. Yeah, That's probably one reason why we're still friends. We've been friends so long because we really were great piano partners. Yeah. Um, yeah. Usually I played second part, so I was down on the lower half of the keyboard playing the the bass and the um, chords with my right hand, and then you would be the first piano, so you were mm-hmm. doing melody. Mm-hmm. So you were steering a lot of the phrasing, basically. Yeah. And I could always tell <laughs> when you were going to take a breath, you know. Um, I mean, literally, <laughs> I could. your piano was very um, cantabile, meaning in a singing kind of style, and I I could feel how you were going to phrase things. Mm-hmm. So I was able, most of them, sometimes I'd plow right over you, and well, we'd always get a big laugh out of that instead of, would you, you know, stop it? You're getting on my last nerve. I can't play piano with you. <laughs> we would laugh because it was so funny. Yeah. Because most, most of the time we could get it so right. I, yeah. Well, I just still, I still think that was largely due to you because I just, I needed someone to follow me. <laughs> I just wanted to. I was just so convinced of my interpretations. Uh, maybe, maybe I still am. I just, I was so just turned on by trying to translate what the phrase meant and what the phrase means. I just, there's something, I just want to, it's like a sentence of language to me. I just, it, it's so clear to me sometimes how it should go. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, so. Well, hey, I, I was really happy to get on that train and ride it with you because uh, <laughs> I thought it should go that way too. I was like, I was ple- I was like, yeah, 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 let's do it. And thank God you were there, though, because you're, the, like, the core. You're the core of it, and here I am. Just, la, 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 la. <laughs> needed a good bass line there. Well, it did lead us to do some other stuff that was fun. We did we did a Mozart sonata mm-hmm. that was really great. It was a great piece of music. So, I mean, teachers, check into uh, duets. There are some amazing duets out there that will build your students' um, artistic and te- technical abilities. Uh, they're well worth the time. Um, That's true. They're so they're wonderful. Um, there was a Beethoven sonata, or maybe I think did he do but like five or six of them? There's several by Beethoven. I should have done some homework. I don't know. This, <laughs> this has is been a bad. long time. <laughs> it's been a long time ago, but many years later, Sandra and I became roommates. We lived together for quite a while, and you know, for fun, we play piano duets. That's right. And so we get these books back out, and um, let's see, I'm trying to think what else did we play. We played um, that Brahms um, orchestral piece. Yes. Really pretty piece. Um, is that an E flat? I'm trying to think. Is it like um? Yeah. <laughs> That's it. Yeah. I'm blanking on the name of that piece. Variations on a theme by... Haydn. Okay. Or Handel. Um... <laughs> I, yeah, there's an H. You guys can check up on that if you want to. Um, but we played that, and you, of course you played the melody, and you played the crap out of it, meaning that's a compliment. You phrased it 
beautifully. And so, and we did that one really well. I do, I do remember that. Mm-hmm. We played some of these things for convocations too. We were good. We were a good piano team. Um, and that really did, that helped me develop musically a lot. Um, that collaboration. So I had another piano partner years later and it made me miss our partnership so much because it was not the same. It, your partner really does, uh, I guess it, it has to be the right person. Of course it was, it was fine and we made it work, but I don't know, there's just something, something there. We followed and led mm-hmm. each other so well. Yeah, I remember the day I left Alabama, I had to say bye to you and I just broke down. <laughs> didn't yeah. even know you know I, it wasn't like me to be like that no it wasn't but um I just I mean I realized how much that collaboration was like a life friendship too music yeah. is a, it's a bond you know right when you're really playing well with other people right you have that deeper bond that's, that's true. um it's it's spiritual I do really believe that but so then so let's continue on with the story because th- this next part I really do want to ask you questions about you went uh, okay, I went to Michigan, and you ended up, what happened after you graduated? Um, I was searching, so I, again, I was just um, thankful to have graduated. I, I took an extra year to graduate. I played a little more chamber music in a, a trio, and um, had some soul searching in my sophomore year that I just needed more time, so I did graduate, and I went back to live with my parents for a little while. I was a nanny for about five minutes, and <laughs> that didn't work as well as I hoped. Um, so I decided to um, go to graduate school, really knowing that it wasn't the um, answer, but it was then. It was the answer then. Um, I had really um, become interested in dance and ballet and um, I had started watching during that time I was living with my parents I was doing a lot of survival mechanisms because that was that's pretty hard to be in college and then go back and live at home so I was uh, sort of immersing myself in different things I took an art class I started watching a lot of Charlie Chaplin movies and something about his movies just like wah, hit me over the head and I love them and the ballet aspect of his art made me want to be involved with that. So um, I sent an audition tape to a couple of schools and one of them, uh, two of them uh, I got turned down and then one of them was Boston Conservatory and the reason I wanted to apply there is because they had a dance department and I was so into that I was just so attracted to that part of it so uh, and immediately when I got there I um, my teacher God bless him he heard of a a need in the ballet school for a pianist and so I was scared because I had never done anything that didn't involve someone putting music in front of me and saying, play this. And I was so scared. I didn't know what any dance moves were called. I didn't know anything. And they were sort of desperate, I guess. And I was a student at Boston Conservatory, so I was able to start with this class. 
and um, shortly afterwards I realized that um, I was feeling pretty convinced that I did not want to stay in school um, so I was only there one semester but I kept playing those classes for another five years I lived in Boston I played ballet classes and I worked uh, part-time at a temp job mm. so how many hours a week of so is that is that solo piano playing Yes. When you play for a ballet class, oh my God. you know where I'm coming from. That's hard work. And how yeah. many hours a week did you do? Do you um, remember? I started out just a couple of classes, and then um, someone at Boston Ballet called me, and they needed someone. So I started doing like 20 hours a week, 25. That was full-time, basically. Started doing it full-time. Oh, my goodness. So yeah. does that equal 20 hours of playing, or is it longer? No, it's... It's, what do you mean? Is like, a class an hour, or is, is an hour class an hour and 15, or an hour and 30, you know what I'm... Oh, no, it was probably exactly 20, 25 hours a week. Okay. Sometimes okay. a little more, like in the summer intensive programs. Um, and you go in there, and you play constantly, you know. For the much. entire class. The entire class. So for an hour nonstop, you're playing. Well, some classes were two hours. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Oh, wow, wow, wow. Okay, so your chops got really good. You take they got better, yeah. It's a di- <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I say because it's just a different type of playing. It's very, uh, they need very clear beat. It's not subtle. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, yeah, I, it, it was hard in that way because, you know, sometimes I'd be like in my element and I'd, I'd be thinking, oh, you know, I'm so full of myself in that moment, thinking they are just gonna. This is gonna wow them. I'm gonna just. I don't know. I, I'm still such a solo player in my head, and I would get through that wonderful rendition of that phrase, and nothing. You know, no one would. They would just be doing their. They'd be in their dance class. So they were not thinking about me. They just needed it to be clear. Uh, of course, they would appreciate it. Um, yeah. But I was still in not in a very serving frame of mind. (laughs) I just just didn't know. I just wanted to play really well for them, you know. Um, it's, It's a big adjustment. And most, I would think maybe most accompanists like that have done other accompanying. Mm -hmm. They've done choir, they've done church, they've done improv, they've done something. Um, I was just unique in, in that I had not. It did not, you know, come naturally. I, it was very hard for me to be aware of what they were even doing because I was so like, oh, God, I didn't play that note. Or I couldn't, you know, do a really clear arpeggio without missing a slight note, you know, because I, I just wasn't used to playing that much you know I was just used to playing very specific music Beethoven and things but this is like oh they need an extra measure here and I've got to fill this that's very different interesting Um, so yeah it was a big adjustment to and and just to know they're doing a march or it was little kids maybe and they're doing a march well there are lots of different types of marches you don't realize it might be a 6-8 it might be a Mickey Mouse Club march um, back then I thought, oh, any old march will do. Well, no, 
their little legs might need me to go slower or faster. So just a, a real mind bender in the beginning of um, matching their movements to what I was doing. Right. So um, basically they would call off exercises and you would have to, on the spot, find the kind of music that was needed for that. Yes. And it was, did it change every class? Oh, yeah, was there it a usually did change oh, really? every class. Wow, so not even a routine that you could follow. Every now and then they <clears> would go into, they would have exams coming up, and they would want me to play the same thing uh, every class, and that was only for a couple weeks. Normally they didn't want you to play the same thing over and over because, you know, they, would get, they would get bored and I would get bored. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, it was that was a huge deal, having the right repertory um, for me. I did not play um, improv a lot. I, I needed particular pieces of music. So I just spent lots of time in the library and I would transcribe movie music that I liked a lot. Such um, as what? Name some of the pieces if you can remember. Um, I play, well, I started playing from modern classes so that allowed me to, to I played a lot of Inya. <laughs> I remember I listened to a lot of Enya and transcribed those. uh, Music from the movie The Piano, To Kill a Mockingbird, everything. Everything that Willy Wonka. um, How cool is this? Yeah, so I still have that stuff, you know, written down um, because it was pre YouTube, too. I mean, I had to find this stuff. Uh, somehow, or or find little snippets, get my tape recorder out really quick if it was on TV, and so. Oh my goodness! Thank kids do not know how easy they have it That's now. That's true. I don't. I remember your tape recorder, and I remember your note. Your you had a huge binder full of music. Yeah. How do you did you uh, have it organized like in this is for this type of dance and this is for this type of you know, like did you have yeah. it divided into sections or? Yeah, I did. I. Everybody has their own thing, but I, I had, and I'm still like, I, I always wanted to get it off the page. I always thought, gosh, you know, I probably played this stuff so many times I could just do this, but it was really hard work, and if I got in there and I was tired, why not just have it in front of me? Mm-hmm. It was just, I was always wanting it just there, yeah. and you never knew when they were going to go 32 more measures, and it was just easier to have it in front of me, so I had it organized by a duple and triple meter, and um, yes, they would do the Grand Allegro across the floor, and so I'd have t- ten of those ready. And um, I was very obsessive about making it. Um, I didn't want to play the thing that I played the last class. I wanted to play something different. So it was just make it more interesting for me. Mm-hmm. So I had a little note-taking um, thing that I would do that would tell me when I had played a piece. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's considerate of you. I, I, I hope that some teacher <laughs> recognized the value <laughs> of that service that you were providing for them and uh, appreciated you for that because I, I would imagine it would be really easy to get into the same routine and be like, oh, this is what I play for that. Oh, this is the song that I play for that. And Yeah, you know, it probably would have served me better to relax a little more about it. Um but I just couldn't. I just couldn't. I just wanted to play a variety. Mm-hmm. So. Sure. Um, so how many years did you do that? Oh, man. Um, 
I came to Nashville in 97 and I did it up until not as not full time. I did it part time up until 2015. So good probably t- almost 20 years. That's wow. Kind of crazy. Actually wow. 20 years. I play I started doing it in 90 actually more than 20 years. That's pretty scary. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. Um but you don't do it anymore. No, I haven't. I did get a call recently. Um, they needed a sub, and uh, so it's it's something that I could always fall back on. Sure. Um, I think people use taped music a lot, uh, except for the big organizations, which is sad. Um, just those, that's the first thing that's the first funding that gets cut. You know, they stop wanting to tune the piano. They stop wanting to to uh, use live music. Yeah. So what a drag. I know, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um. You even wrote a book about ballet accompanying. I did. I was really struck by the gulf between musicians and dancers. There was just no body to say, this is how you do it. I was just thrown into it. And there was no mentor. It just so happened there was just no one to really help. I think because it's just such an organic thing for most people. They go in and they kind of feel it. And I just wasn't that type of player. I really would have benefited from someone sitting there with me several classes and saying, hey, that was a little fast, that was a little this. And you would think that there would be someone like that, but you know, they just sort of depend on this to work out. You work it out with the, the dancer, but they often don't know the terminology. They will say, I want a 2-4, but they won't count it that way at all. They think they're counting a 2-4, or really, I don't think they think it. I think they're trying to, they're teaching a class. They have a big job, so they're trying to count it for their students in a way that accents what they're trying to get across, you know. So they might go, and one, and two, and three, and four, but they really want you to play it. Four four, but oh. that's a six eight. Oh my gosh! Yeah, but they're doing it so that <laughs> the the students get the get the accent of the foot or whatever whatever it is. That's but. crazy making. <laughs> <laughs> so yes, I wrote a book to explain little things like that, and then I wrote a website. Uh, now that was pre. I mean, there's so much out there now. I that really? was back when there was nothing there, and now you know I recently found someone's thesis about this and. Um, there are obviously lots of YouTube videos now. If only I'd had a fraction of what's out there now, <laughs> right. my life would have been so much easier. Right. So, but um, it probably prepared you for what you're what you do now. Yeah. Um, very much yeah. so, I would think. In many ways, it did. Um, yeah, I started uh, playing for a comedy improv uh, group back in two thousand. Um, <laughs> 13 <laughs> and again it was just such a random thing it was Amy it was due to you you got a gig and I didn't even know comedy improv existed in Nashville and back when I was watching all those Chaplin movies in the 90s it was on the comedy channel and the Chaplin movie came on on Sunday morning and it was either right before or right after the British version of Whose Line Is It Anyway would come on. And I loved that show. And it, it was the British version, so it, it, back then it was even, it was more improv than it actually is now. On, TV, on this American version, um, 
I can tell at least they're, they're, it's not quite as, it's meant to be more entertainment and less improv, but they actually got calls out from the audience back then. Whoa. So, uh, yeah, so, um, yeah, I was always loving that, and when I found out there was improv, just a light bulb turned on, I thought, I want to do that. So I just did an internet search, found uh, LOL Nashville, and they it just so happened they were looking for um, actors. So I was like, well, they don't use music, I'm sure, but I'm just gonna I'm just gonna fill in this form. And I said, I'm not an actor, I'm a musician. Hey, you don't need musicians, do you? I'm sure you don't. But hey, okay, I put it in there hit send, and man, was I relieved. That was such an accomplishment for me, and I hoped I would never hear anything from them. <laughs> You're like, I'm doing this, I'm doing this, I'm doing this. Achieved, oh, leave me alone, don't talk to me. I achieved what I wanted to, and that was it. And Luke Watson emailed me, you know, like the next day and put the fear of God in me. He's like, come down, our auditions are whatever, 8 p.m., and man, I was scared, but uh, I've crammed and I got some things uh, to play. <laughs> and um, he was really uh, so kind and loved music. He's he's very passionate about music, so that was that was pretty cool. So I played uh, shows once a month for a while, and then he opened a comedy club, and now I and I still played, and then I started playing once a week, and now I'm back to around once a month. So it's called Third Coast Comedy Club. Third Coast Comedy Club, and it's in Nashville. It's in Nashville. Do you it's know in, the address? It's on Clinton Street. Okay. And it's uh, in Marathon Village, very up and coming area. Mm-hmm. So a lot of tourists are down there, and uh, they have stand up, they have skit. They have a drag show once a week, I think. <laughs> they have all kinds of stuff. And you were playing for one troupe or more than one troupe? Comedy troupes, I guess. I've played for two there. They have a weekly show, the Third Coast Main Stage. Okay. It's a lot of the same players in LOL. They kind of um, do both groups. But then there are others, other actors that are specific to LOL. And LOL plays every two weeks I believe and third coast every week so what is what it's just is it just like throw everybody up there and see what happens or is there like Mm -hmm. preparation involved what's what is it what is it like to be a comedy improv pianist what's what's the process um it is you know I think it you just have to be almost on the stage with them in your head it is you don't want to get in the way of what they're doing you're 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 on the sidelines but you definitely want to compliment um i do underscoring for them but again if i could ruin a good joke if i am like oh i want to play something right here (laughs) you know right when the audience is supposed to get something and then laugh i can't step on that um so you, I think it's good if you have some, it's probably really good for an actor, if you're also an actor, which I am not, but at least to have a good sense of comedic timing and, and to really um, be giving. And so I, the main thing that was new for me is that I had to learn how to play songs. 
um, they do a song game uh, or they will interject a song in a scene and I did not even consider that I might have to do that I, when I started this I thought oh I'll just play little quotes from things in a funny way and it'll be great and the song thing was a very interesting twist <laughs> and so um, when you're a solo player uh, like me and you've never played in a band and you've never written a song um, it's just uh, something I had to study I had to think about um, playing something that didn't sound like a solo piece it, it needed to be very clear for them they're singing a song and they don't need to think about they're they're making up words and rhymes on the spot they don't need <laughs> me over there making it harder they need it you know to be uh, very clear where they should go next so that they can think about the funny stuff you know what they're doing mm-hmm. right so uh yeah so i'll play Jeez. they'll do a sing it you know, they'll, the last line will be a song. Uh, they'll say a line in the scene, and someone on the sidelines will say, sounds like a song, or sing it, and I'll start. And they don't know what kind of song I'm going to start with. You know, sometimes it'll be a really happy theme, and I'll make it funny by making it sad. Or usually I do try to match the, the, the tone of the scene. If something's inspired, I'll try to play something inspiring. Oh, wow. Um, yeah. So, how do you make a song sound sad? How I mean, I have some ideas, but like, how would what would be one way you could go about? Like, let's say they're singing about how beautiful it is outside, but you decide you're going to make a mockery <laughs> of it, sort of. I mean, make a joke out of it, really. What would you do? I probably try to think of a, a song that I already know, uh, an '80s love ballad or something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, kind of intense. Or an intense uh, heavy metal sad song or something, really slow. <laughs> okay. Um, <laughs> Dramatically, like, impactful. Yeah. Slow. Yeah. And, yeah. I mean, even that gets a laugh. Uh -huh. They're about to sing, and the audience is like, oh, my gosh, it sounds like a real song. It's so cool. You know? <laughs> That's, uh, I wouldn't have thought that you'd said that, but it makes so much sense to me. Yeah. I'm thinking of, like, um, the Scorpions or some... <laughs> Um, metal band from the 80s or the, yeah right um, trying to think of the name of that song that I'm thinking of <laughs> but yeah. love hurts that's not love really, okay that's not love really hurts um, yeah but I think I know what you're talking about yeah um, so basically you get this gig and you never you have no experience whatsoever doing this that's right and so you thought I'm just going to provide background music underneath them and when they say something about, you, you mentioned something about, like, you're going to use quotes. What does that mean? What are you talking about? Um, if they are suddenly on a boat and it's sinking, I want to really be able to pull out the Titanic theme. <laughs> or if are you talking about my heart will go on? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay. So you're saying this, they're doing a skit that has them on a sinking boat and you start playing the Titanic yeah. thing. Yeah. <laughs> or they talk about someone, someone's possessed. Well, I've got to be able to play the exorcist. <laughs> really, really obvious pop culture things that everybody knows. Or, hey, if it's obvious to me and one person in the audience gets it, that's fine too. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um. Yeah, or... Um, so you're a comedian with music, using uh, music through as right. a venue for being a comedian. Right, I guess so. 
which is pretty awesome. Yeah. What are some other, um, can you think of some more references, reference music that you might use? I uh, wish, you know, the more you have, the better. Uh, I end up <laughs> reverting to the same ones, and I get mad at myself sometimes. But, you know, every time they're talking about being underwater, I'll play, you know, Under the Sea from The Little Mermaid or <laughs> Free Willy, Michael Jackson, or <laughs> um, <laughs> Octopus's Garden, you know. Nice. Yeah. So, yeah, just... It really want to. Also, it's good if you keep really up on the latest pop culture. So it's mm-hmm. it's really good for that. Um, so rap songs, you cover rap songs? No, <laughs> it's I, hard. It's hard to do that on solo. It piano. really is hard to do. You know, it doesn't always work. Yeah, doesn't always sound like it. It doesn't. It doesn't. But you know, I can pull out certain ones. Oh. Such as? Such as? I think we're ask. <laughs> I'm thinking maybe, I don't know, I'm just trying to guess what you I might do. <laughs> maybe low, buff. I don't know. Yeah, maybe. Um, um, yeah, I'm drawing a blank. Can't think. Well, all this is striking me as a, it's like a very far leap from <laughs> piano competitions in high school, basically. <laughs> yeah, I mean, true. to be able to pull this all together, how do you keep these things in your head? Or do you, I mean, so you're, you're always on the lookout for something that's going to, that's um, like these, these riffs, I mean, to have them just right there, yeah. ready to go. It's a, it sounds like it's a big job. It's a big yeah. job. It's, and that's memorizing music, too. I guess it is. And really, you know, it's probably different schools of thought where, I mean, I've heard some keyboard players saying they don't want to quote too many things. They don't want to cheat. They want it to be pure improv the whole time, just emotional, uh, not emotional, but, um, you know, just the to match the moment with improvisational music. Um, so you don't want to be too obtrusive, and I agree with that. You don't want to be like, oh, here's a quote, and here's another one, here's another. You don't want to be named that tune throughout the whole show. Um, but okay. I do think it's um, it's just funny to to pull it out unexpectedly. Uh, actually, I'll, tr- I'll do it a lot between scenes so that, you know, they're running off stage and they're running on and I'll play a quote about the thing that they were just doing and that's a perfect moment to me because the audience is going, oh my gosh, she just played, oh, and then it's mm-hmm. funny and then they're on to the next thing. Right. And it didn't intrude in what they were doing. Oh, so. yes. Ah, that's just so sensitive and caring of you as a as a musician to be thinking about in that way. I really do think that um, that's a subtle art, you know, to um, to really respect what they're doing, but also to bring in the stuff that's gonna, um, yeah. you know, mean add meaning to the show, add depth to it, basically. Right, right. So some of the stuff you're doing, it sounds like you're describing as underscoring, basically. Yeah. Just um, yeah. boom, chink, boom, chink, boom, chink, that kind of thing. Uh, yeah, it, you know, one thing I found is that I had such a lack of upbeat music. Uh, ballet music is not the right type of music. You know, it, it is all very dramatic and <laughs> most of it's slow. And, and yeah, so I really had to work on little jazz riffs or little things like what you just sang, little mm-hmm. bump shake, or just chords, you know, I... I listen to, you know, late night with Colbert and listen to what 
John Batista does, you know, and his is very, he doesn't, he could be over there playing a concert. He's so awesome, but he doesn't. He just plays little chords, just very unobtrusive. Mm -hmm. But uh, it's very hard to do that without just sounding like you're not doing anything. It, it, it wants, you want it to be cohesive and like, oh, I just played a, two five one and it had a little thing on the end too and mm -hmm. uh rather than just banging it's just it's hard i've found it hard to do upbeat type things um for some reason maybe that's just me i, I just haven't played a lot of upbeat music i guess mm -hmm. um yeah well when you say two five one you're talking about a, a jazz jazz progression yeah it's yeah. um like um basically yeah just a a version of that just it everything goes by so quickly yeah that yeah it'll just lots of lots of times it'll just be a seven chord and then a step down seven chord um, over and over maybe uh, you mean like something like um yeah. something like that yeah <laughs> or just uh, Because oh. they're on the stage now doing something else. Okay, all right. Um, <laughs> wow. <laughs> okay, and so how long are the shows, the comedy shows? Almost two hours. Oh, wow. So once yeah. again, you're, this is a lot of, you're playing yeah. all the time throughout the whole thing. Pretty much. The, some games, you know, don't, they're their best if I just stay quiet. Yeah. Um, yeah, there's a game they have with a bell. Uh, and it's so it's very important and there's somebody shouting on the side of the stage so if I try to play I'm gonna get in the wrong moment so I just th I just I'm the audience member at that moment so. gotcha do you have to do like an opening and closing song thank God no <laughs> <laughs> I do not <laughs> and I am glad because yeah what do you play I, do, I it's, <laughs> Uh, I have played for groups that did want that, and it, it is really hard. Like, what do I play? I don't, it's, is it circus music? Is it, you know, the Peanuts theme? Is it People Are Strange from the Doors? You know, I played that. I, oh, I love that idea. I don't know. I was always stuck. Um, it's hilarious. As to what to do. It always seemed like I was, like I was on the spot. Like, why are you listening to me play when it's it's a comedy? You know, mm -hmm. I don't know. It just was so hard. <laughs> so no, they have um, they have uh, DJ type music going. It's very cool, cool place. Yeah, um, you're you know you're you're being very nondescript about in this. I mean, I just kind of want to say. Um, you're really good at this. I've seen you do it several times. <laughs> like, you can play all sorts of things. Like, if I, I bet if I, put, I mean, I don't want to put you on the spot or anything, but I bet, like, there's some kind of Michael Jackson thing that, that you do, I know. And I know you do it well. That's <laughs> oh, hard. Um, I'm not going to do that. <laughs> but, yeah, I can play Billie Jean if I have to. Yeah. Um, and, I mean, I, I just, I'm trying to think of other things that I've heard you do. Like, something from the Truman Show, it seems like. Yeah, have Truman Show transcribed. I give a whole lot of movie soundtrack stuff. I do. A Again, lot. a lot of it's very dramatic, and and I have to be very discriminant about what I put because I don't want to bring them down. <laughs> they may do, and they may not want to go sad in that scene, and if that's but that is under my fingers more than the other um, movie stuff. Movie stuff and yeah. Broadway, yeah. Which is really handy for what they're doing, because it's pop culture stuff. Yeah, 
and you're good you're really good at that yeah um i i don't know that's um that's um you like you could play uh, you just you know a lot of riffs i do know yeah that. i know the beginnings of lots of songs and it's really good for someone that doesn't want to learn the whole thing or that doesn't you know feel comfortable getting through the the whole solo uh, like, you know, if I'm feeling lazy, that's all, that's okay, because the audience knows the first little, you know, you know, that's all I have to do. That's all I have to know. Queen. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Bohemian Rhapsody. Okay. And so, yeah. Um, so if I just like, I, I'm kind of tempted to call off either bands. <laughs> See, I'm going to show my ignorance, probably. <laughs> um, do you ever, like, is there ever a journey reference? Oh, yeah, sometimes. Yeah? Yeah, they will, they do that, uh, lots of times in the introduction of games, they will They will say, and now we're going to do this, and this is how it works, and we're going to sing a song, and here's how it works, and then I'll just go, and I'll just play a teeny tiny bit as if they're about to sing it, and it just gets a big laugh lots of times, <laughs> because it's right? a real, it's an example of a real song, but they're about to do a fake song, fake version of it. What would you do if Elvis came up? Or oh, that one's hard. I'll, I'll do All Shook or, Up or something. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Um, it's a young crowd. These guys don't come up very much. Okay. okay. <laughs> yeah. So gotta... t comedy tends to be a younger crowd. So Yeah. <clears throat> okay. yeah. Some of the tourists, they'll uh, expose my lack of knowledge of uh, Nashville country music. So mm -hmm. I, mm -hmm. yeah, I should have a lot more of that than I do. Right? <laughs> what about <laughs> X-Files? You know that too? Uh, yeah, I could probably play it. That really doesn't work on the piano because uh, the, the synthesized ooh, ooh, part. <laughs> right. Yeah. Ooh, ooh, whatever it is. <laughs> um, but yeah, like, I've, I've always known that about you, that like you'll remember commercials, you remember movie themes, you remember sitcom themes, like um, <laughs> lots of stuff like that. And I, I've always kind of, it's, it's a gap for me. I have to really, really think about that kind of stuff. Probably because I watched more TV yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and movies. <laughs> Well, it's um, it really has come in handy for you, and and the shows are great. Um, it's are there any resources that you use to help you get better at playing for comedy improv? Yeah, I mean, I've read. Um, Laura Hall has a book. She's the uh, keyboard player for Whose Line Is It Anyway? Anyway, yeah, she has a really good book. Um, Mike, oh dear, Michael. Mm -hmm. Forgot his last name. I should have done some homework. <laughs> uh, Second City guy. He he wrote a couple of really good books that I bought immediately when I knew that I was going to do this gig. Um, uh, why is his name escaping me? But I'll give it to you, and you can put it in the links. Okay. Um, I actually wrote him an email, and he kindly wrote back, and because I was I was having some. That's uh, awesome. Yeah, I was wanting to ask him questions about how the songs should go and yeah he has examples and mm -hmm. everything he's very generous with his information right um mostly though i just just yesterday i turned on the tape recorder i was watching a movie and i'm taping things all the time i hear things on npr i tape oh this is a good example of a cheesy 80s something or this is a good example of so such and such you know okay so, so. you're all kind of always listening for it what can i use yes you have a tape recorder 
<laughs> really? No, I use my phone. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> like everybody. <laughs> I was like, wow, you. It, it wouldn't surprise me if you did, but and not, that's not a put down. But no, thank just, God, I don't have to do that anymore. <laughs> so that's it's it's cool. a niche, but yeah, it's just <laughs> nobody does this. <laughs> and uh, a very cool niche. Yeah, just I, I really enjoy um, s- sort of the having fun aspect of it. Classical music is so serious and so exclusive mm-hmm. that it, you know. You, you get your stimulation and your intellectual stimulation, but mm-hmm. um, I just love the silliness aspect of this. <laughs> total nut silliness. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, every show I just laugh. I just laugh the whole time. Yeah, it's making me think about the Carol Burnett show that was on when yeah, we were growing I mean, up. And I love that show. I yeah. guess you could probably relate to that mm-hmm. in a different way now. Absolutely. You, there was an awful lot of music on that show. That's true. I remember one night, though, oh, my goodness. You think about these instances, too, and I, all I do, I kill myself over them. I'll still remember one guy <laughs> is one guy in the group is just great at references. He'll bring up just most unexpected ones, and one of his one night was pulling his ear like Carol Burnett, and for the life of me, I could not think of her song. I'm so glad we had this time together, <laughs> and I know it so well, but... You know, it is so much different when you're sitting there in front of a crowd. Mm-hmm. It'll be I like bet. a song that you know so yes. well, but you cannot think of it. Yes. Cannot think of it. And by the time you think of it, the moment is gone anyway. <laughs> so you really need to. So really, every time I play a show, the, that day, the whole day, I just listen to a bunch of stuff. I listen to songs. And I feel it's sort of, you know, I don't have to. I could just go and I could just wing it. But if yeah. I don't, then I might not be able to pull out the Mission Impossible theme. Or I might, yeah. there's no, and whereas, you know, if I do, then, man, isn't that cool? One night I was able yeah. to pull out Hamilton. And it was brought out, and it was right when Hamilton was really big. And, and well, it still is, but. I mean, it's such a cool feeling. <laughs> I don't know if anybody noticed it, but it was a cool feeling for me. Yeah. Yeah. yeah um, I'm, sh- I'm sure they do. I mean, um, wow, that is so, so pro of you. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> that's really pro that um, you would, and, the, you know, to devote yourself that day to really priming yeah. yourself. That's something that I really haven't talked about on this podcast yet with anybody, I don't think. Um, if, if Brett, if you and I did, I apologize, but um, <laughs> I haven't listened to your podcast in a couple of weeks, so I have to listen to it again. But, but uh, yeah, how do you prime yourself for big performances? And that's, um, you know, that sounds like a really valid way to do it. Just immerse yourself in listening to a lot of stuff and, and it kind of gets your mm-hmm. improv engines prepped and ready to fire. <laughs> it's probably really similar to what the actors do. The right before performance, and maybe what they do all day. I, I don't know how they prep. Um, you know, I should probably talk to them about it. But they do exercises, word games, and actor games, and face exercises, probably. Um, yeah, right. to get their minds thinking fast. Right. You know, it's, it's different. It's very, very separate and different from what the musician has to do. Um, what we do is improv, but it's it's prepared 
in a way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. You're you're kind of a, providing a framework, I guess, is the way to put. Like some of it has to be sort of standardized, mm-hmm. especially the song stuff. I know Laura yeah. Hall. She seems like she does a lot of the same background stuff yeah. for certain songs. And yeah. Same form, meaning there's a exactly. verse and a chorus or. Well, they want Wayne Brady to hit it out of the park every time, so there she's not going to throw any curveballs. Yeah, she's got some standard things that she does. Yes, yes. So, well, that is so great. I um, I just encourage everybody to just come down and hear you play. It's you do a great job. <laughs> you do you. a great job. Yes, it's amazing. Everybody needs to go check out one of the um and and check out the schedule because you might not be there on just every single time Ella is playing. But yep. But. Call him and ask, is Sandra Partridge playing tonight? <laughs> <laughs> oh, she is good. I'm coming. <laughs> Reserve me 4,000 seats. <laughs> it's a fun show no matter what. And a good cheap date night. Yeah. It really is. I've been, and it is great, y'all. I've even taken a class there. Uh, and I would was, like to do that. Yeah. Oh, it was fun. It was great. Yeah, they have good classes. It, it really was. Well, is there anything else that we should cover? Um, I can't believe we've just chatted a long time. Um, Wow. And I I don't know. Um, Guess not. Guess that's good. I know you have other skills, too, but um, since this is about keyboard playing, (laughs) I guess we'll stick to that. (laughs) Juggling doesn't transfer very well. Let's see. What are Napoleon Dynamite's skills? (laughs) Nunchucks. <laughs> exactly. Do you draw ligers? I do. I draw ligers. <laughs> All right. Well, um, I, I guess we'll bring this to a close. I hate to, but... You know, all good things must come to a pause. <laughs> Not going to be an end or anything. Maybe maybe we'll record a duet and t- attach it to the end of this podcast. Oh, gosh. We should do that. We should. <laughs> well, stay tuned, everybody. We'll, we may... Um, we may do that at some point, but maybe we'll give a concert someday. We should. Yeah, we should. It'll be fun. Well, thank thank you. you. Thank you so much. I'm yeah. glad I got to talk about it. Ah, thank you. Thank you for spending this time with me. <laughs> I'm and so I... glad we had this time. <laughs> Aw. <laughs> do you know the Carol Burnett theme now? <laughs> I sure do. I probably won't ever forget it now. <laughs> no, I'm not going to play it. <laughs> It's actually Dang. a little more complicated I was than you trying would to think. Oh, yeah. It's got a lot of chords, doesn't it? Yes, it does. <laughs> I wonder if she wrote that song. She probably did. I don't know. I don't think so. Oh, no. Okay. Well, anyway. <laughs> all right. I'm going to sign off, and thank you all so much for listening. Have a great week, a couple of weeks, and we'll see you again in two weeks. Take care, everybody. Spending time with you makes me feel better. Sing it!